From the Financial Times in London, I'm Barney Thompson and this is FT News. Britain's economic fortunes since the Brexit referendum have sparked a great deal of political debate. But one thing is for sure, the economy is doing a lot better than many had predicted, at least for now. Last week, the UK's Office for National Statistics updated some of its quarterly figures, called low-level aggregates, giving some more clues as to what has driven the British economy since the June 23rd vote. With me to dig into some of the data is Chris Giles, the FT's economics editor. Chris, some of this data is pretty chewy stuff, so let's just step back a moment and look at the economy over the past six months since the vote. What's been going on? The big thing that's been going on, the big thing that pretty much everyone got wrong was that consumers have been quite happy to spend. In fact, they've not changed their spending patterns whatsoever since the Brexit vote, when everyone thought, if anything, they would tighten their belts, be a bit more cautious, and if anything, they've been a little bit less cautious. Now, in this data, you can really see that, and it really comes out very, very starkly, because these low-level aggregates go off for each industry, as the ONS has measured them since pretty much 1948, And there are three of these low-level aggregates. One is the retail sector, is the wholesale sector, supplying the shops. And the third is the retail and wholesale sector in cars, so car dealerships, etc. And these three industries account for about 10% of the total economy normally. And in the past six months, they've accounted for 25% of the growth. So if you want to know what's been driving growth, it's shopping. And it's been shopping, 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 and they've been massively disproportionate. And so you can then start to think about how sustainable that might be. And there have been some sort of slightly odd pairs, I think you identified, that have been success stories, although not all of them having a huge impact on the economy. I, I seem to remember, along with retail, things like filmmaking, that's been powering ahead, but also, strangely, has so has coal mining. So what I, the reason I stuck with um, retail first is because it's important. It's normally 10% of the economy, so it's an important sector, and it's been 25% of the growth recently. The strongest performing sector in the last six months alone is the mining of coal and lignite, which used to obviously power the UK economy. Power, light, heat, it was very, very important in the 1980s, 30 years ago. It could bring the the whole economy to a standstill. In the 1970s, it did bring the whole economy to a standstill. Now, it's grown about 18% in the past six months, but from a really tiny level, so it doesn't really trouble us very much in terms of what's important, but it has been, so it's had a little tick up. Film is actually more important. It's about 0.6% of the economy, so it's much smaller than retail. And it's been doing incredibly well in the last six months. So much so that actually in December alone, half of the growth of the service sector was film production alone. That really is box office sales. And when we get down to what was driving in December, and Star Wars in particular is the thing that was driving that. And again, you might think, given that film is an industry that has ups and downs, needs big blockbusters, both in the cinema and in production, you might worry a little bit about how sustainable that is. So we've got a picture of an economy. If it's feeding our shopping habits, it's been doing very, very well. And if it's other sectors of the economy have been doing a lot less well, presumably the fear is then that if we start to put our wallets back in our pockets and rein in the spending, that's big trouble ahead. This is certainly the fear for this year, that consumer spending, which has been driving the economy and obviously driving the bits that are facing consumers, so things like cinemas and shops. And if consumers suddenly 
they don't have to get more cautious. All they have to do is don't not increase their spending in line with their incomes, which we know is going to get squeezed by higher inflation. Then these sectors are very unlikely to grow at anything like the rate they've been growing in the last six months. And you either have, you have two possibilities when that happens. One is that the economy slows down, growth slows, things get a bit worse, or something else has to take its place. And that's the big question for 2017. Now, on the subject of low-level aggregates, I snuck up behind you as you were facing your computer to find you wrestling with a spreadsheet and muttering something darkly about methodology and measurements from the 1950s. What was it? It's a great spreadsheet to go to. It's updated every month. You might think it's weird that I say this, but it's a wonderful thing. Just type low-level aggregates ONS into Google and you'll find it. It has the output by quarter for each sector of the economy for each quarter it goes back to 1990 or even further back the reason i was muttering is because actually these sectors no longer representative of our economy at all as i said those three lines in the spreadsheet represent 10 percent of the economy whereas coal mining and lignite was 0.02 percent of the economy and there's loads and loads of manufacturing and production sectors like the manufacturing of animal and vegetable fats which also grew quite quickly i think in the last couple of years but is also tiny and so in manufacturing, it's split down into the most weird and wonderful detail in services. Education is just one category alone, and that's 6% of the whole economy. Health is 6% of the whole economy, and that's one sector. So it doesn't represent in any great detail the modern economy. It is stuck in the 1950s. So to broaden this out again from, from the granular to the bigger picture, are there any lessons in these figures for the Chancellor Philip Hammond when he stands up to deliver his budget on March the 8th? Did they give him any clues as to what his policy should be or spending cuts or taxation? The big clue they give is that there are reasons to be cautious about this year. So if we are worried that things like film, which had an importance 10 times its size in the economy in the last six months, and retail, if we're worried that these things might not last, then, as I say, you need to find something else to replace. Now, we're hoping that trade might provide some of that something else, but you would maybe be cautious and expect the people like the Office for Budget Responsibility to give quite a cautious forecast. And so it's maybe not the time to say, look, we're getting a windfall on tax receipts now, but we can spend it all because you might think that we might not have that windfall in the months ahead. That, of course, will be the first of two budgets in 2017, which is music to the ears for those of us who work at the FT. My thanks to Chris Giles. And for more on this and other Brexit-related coverage, please visit ft.com forward slash Brexit. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.